Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to Money for the Rest of Us, a personal finance show on money, how it works, how to invest it, and how to live without worrying about it. I'm your host, David Stein, and today is episode 77. It's titled, Does Ethical Investing Generate Higher Returns? A few weeks ago, I got an email from Andrew, who lives in Australia and is a member of The Hub. And he writes, I would like to invest in an index, but am uncomfortable with the practices of some companies that make up the market. For example, companies involved in guns, gambling, environmental degradation, or poor workplace conditions. Is it possible to target ethical companies in an index format for investment and still obtain a reasonable rate of return? Now, that's a fascinating question, and it's one as a former investment advisor at my previous firm, we had a lot of debates internally. We had as a firm, and I personally had a number of environmental and religious organizations as clients. And these clients had ethical issues with investing in stock of companies that generated profits in ways, you know, just like Andrew, that violated their organization moral beliefs or mission, in this case, Andrew's personal ethical beliefs. Now, the way that we could solve that for our larger clients, particularly for their larger allocations, is we could retain investment managers who could structure a separately managed account, a portfolio solely in the name of that particular client, and then we would give that manager the client's investment policy and they would have to exclude the types of holdings that violated that particular investment policy that didn't meet the particular environmental, social, or governance screens. These, these ESG, so the Environmental, Social, and Government, the, 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 the short acronym is ESG. That's sort of what used to be called Socially Responsible Investing, or SRI, has sort of morphed into ESG environmental, social, and government. We used to call them for shorthand, they were called sin stocks, and and particularly because many of our clients were Catholic-based religious organizations. But we ran into a problem with the smaller allocations. In other words, a typical institutional client might have had their largest stock allocation was large company U.S. stocks, and there it was pretty easy to retain a dedicated manager separately managed account, active manager that was seeking to outperform the index, but do so by excluding some of these these issues, these particular holdings that violated the client's investment policy. It gained, became more challenging than when it came to allocations to, say, small cap U.S. stocks or some of the international stocks or emerging markets, because there the asset pool wasn't large enough to go out and retain a manager to, to do a separately managed account. So it left us, essentially, we, we had to utilize mutual funds 
index funds or exchange-traded funds. And it put these organizations in a tough position because they had to balance their willingness to invest in certain untenable securities with their desire to generate the best possible portfolio return. In other words, there, there was a conflict. Here's what they had to answer for themselves. Is it better to achieve a higher portfolio return that allows an organization to do more good in fulfilling its social mission and worry less about whether the portfolio securities are aligned with that mission? Or is it better to accept a lower portfolio return that is generated in a more environmentally or socially responsible manner, but in turn leaves fewer resources for the organization to do good? Now, I had a number of questions or or conversations with boards of these organizations because they, at one side, they felt like a fiduciary duty to generate the best possible return in order to meet the spending policy and to maintain the purchasing value of those assets into perpetuities because most of these were were not-for-profits. On the other hand, they had their mission of their organization. They didn't believe in the practices of some of the companies. And so many of them sort of weighed. I didn't didn't have any that actually – they they usually landed on the side of try to be as socially responsible as possible in hiring dedicated managers, but then they would still want to diversify into other areas – and ended up you know, feeling comfortable owning an index fund or an ETF. But not everyone. And, and it was a constant debate. We managed portfolios on a discretionary basis where all we used were ETFs and mutual funds. We had a few clients where we, we would calculate for them which percent of their holdings violated their particular mission or would have violated their ESG screens. And it, and it was typically less than 1%. But if 1% of your portfolio is generating return that you don't believe in, can you live with that? Some some can't, some do. And it's an ongoing compromise and debate. But there was another debate we would have at our firm in that, and, and clients would have, can you generate better performance using ethical investing or ESG screens, SRI, social responsible, does that generate higher returns? How do we answer that question? Well, one way is look at performance. And I've done that. For the 10 years ending September 30th, 2015, the Vanguard FTSE Social Index Fund, this is a ESG mutual fund, it returned 6.1% annualized versus 7% for the S&P 500 index. So it underperformed. For the 15 years ending September 30th, 2015, it returned 2.5% annualized versus 4.1% for the S&P 500. So that would also suggest ESG investing trails the benchmark. Meanwhile, we can look at what about companies that are opposite of ESG, sort of a portfolio of SIN stocks. So as an example of that, the USA Mutuals Barrier Fund, it used to be called the Vice Fund. It invests in tobacco, alcohol, gamings, and weapons defense stocks. It beat both the Vanguard Socially Responsible Fund and the S&P 500 with a 10-year annualized return of 7.1%. 
recall that the the socially responsible fund did 6.1%, the S&P 500 did 7%, so it only beat it by 0.1%. But that's after deducting a relatively high 1.4% expense ratio from the barrier fund. Now, we can look at even longer time frames. The original socially responsible index was the MSCI KLD 400 social index. It used to be called the Domini 400 index, and it was comprised of 400 stocks, and it was sort of paired against the the S&P. Well, in this case, MSCI has taken it over. That index goes back to 1994, and the index has returned 9.42% annualized versus 9.37% for the MSCI USA IMI index. So it's actually outperformed its benchmark by a little bit. And even the Vanguard Socially Responsible Fund, it outperformed both the S&P and the Barrier Fund for the three- and five-year periods ending September 30th, 2015. Now, you can see what the problem is when it comes to doing performance measurement, ESG versus SIN stocks versus the broad market. It depends on the time period you use. And the performance differential may not even be have anything related to the, the environmental or social screens. For example... What if the average market capitalization of the socially responsible index is a little smaller than the broad market or the benchmark comparison, let's say the S&P 500? And so if you have a period where mid-cap or smaller-sized companies do better, then that can lead to better performance for the socially responsible benchmark. And so... The time frame really matters. The the makeup that might have nothing to do with what in terms of the social screens. And so we have to step back and think about it more from a theoretical perspective. And this was brought to my attention in a paper that I'll link to. It's from the Credit Suisse Investment Returns Yearbook 2015. And it was a title, there was an article in there called Responsible Investing. Does it pay to be bad? And they went through a number of these gyrations, looking at different performance comparison, looking at sin stocks versus non-sin stocks. But they brought up a really interesting point. If a large percentage of investors, institutional investors, or at least a, a good portion decide that they don't want to hold a particular segment of the market, let's say tobacco stocks, then all things being equal, those tobacco stocks will sell at lower valuations. There'll be less demand, their valuation will fall, and as their valuation falls, their dividend yields will go up. The, do- the, the amount of dividends per dollar uh, of stock price will go up, so the yield will go up. And if you're getting more dividends per dollar invested, that will lead to a higher return. And, and it's sort of counterintuitive, but in reality, the SIN stocks should do better over time in the absence of a change in consumer behavior. What do I mean by that? Well, if there continues to be a strong demand globally for tobacco, 
And But there are institutional investors that don't want – and individuals that don't want to hold tobacco. Then the tobacco companies will continue to generate strong profits, but their valuation of their stocks will be lower. They won't have a premium for being a environmentally social governance-friendly company because the valuation is, is cheaper It will have a higher dividend yield. You'll compound those dividends over time, and you'll have a higher return over time. ESG portfolios should trail the broad market unless, and this is the most important thing, unless consumer behavior changes. The idea behind ESG investing is I don't want to reward company management or, or other shareholders that own companies that I disagree with their ethical behavior. But in so doing, by not being willing to own, if there's continued demand for those companies' products, then at the end of the day, those shareholders are getting rewarded with even higher returns. So there'll just be a lower valuation over time, but if the valuation stays the same, higher dividend yields, then the higher return. But The primary way I think that we can impact those companies that we don't believe in, that don't meet our environmental, social, and government standards, is to stop buying their products and services and buy from those companies who meet our standards. And if a large enough group joins us in boycotting a particular product, launching some type of social media campaign, communicating with the company, then ultimately that will begin to impact their revenues, their earnings, and ultimately their stock price. We can have a much greater social impact by the signals we send and the choices we make as consumers in terms of the product and services we buy. A few years ago, I read a fascinating book by Umer Hack called The New Capitalist Manifesto. Umer is a consultant, an author. I think he's written, seems like he writes for the Harvard Business Review, or at least Harvard Business Review blog. But he introduced a concept as that, that, that really resonated with me. I was trained as an undergrad in finance. I studied finance in graduate school. And one of the core concepts of finance is the idea of cost of capital. In other words... If you have a particular project, you can forecast out, you know, you make your initial investment and then you forecast out what you believe the cash flows will be going forward. And then you discount those, that future income stream by your financial cost of capital. And by discounting, you're bringing the, the what is the current value in today's dollars of that future income. And so you sort of bring all those future cash flows into the present, and you compare the value today of those futures cash flows with the amount that you invested. And one of the key components is, you know, what is the discount rate or your cost of capital? The higher your cost of capital, the, the less value those future cash flows will have in today's dollars. Now, what Umer talked about is we have to use a what he calls a full-spectrum cost of capital that should include human cost, social cost, and envir- environmental cost. 
he labels companies that generate profits that simply exceed their financial cost of capital as creating thin value. It looks good on a spreadsheet or it looks good on a financial statement. It generates the profit, the cash flows exceed the cost of capital. He believes companies should focus on thick value. And he describes thick value is when companies create profits by activities whose benefits accrue sustainably, authentically, and meaningfully to people, communities, society, the natural world, and future generations. And he has this idea of a, a constructive advantage. In other words, if companies are able to generate returns that exceed the cost of capital, but they do so not by passing on social costs to future generations or environmental costs to future generations, but do so, they create products and services that provide sustainable, authentic value that have an impact in the community, the natural world, and future generations, a positive impact. That is thick value. And those are the type of companies that that we want. Now, this is where it gets to the idea of our consumer choices make a huge difference. If we start only purchasing, at least researching and purchasing as much as we can from companies that are creating this thick value, then ultimately that is what investors are going to demand because that's what those are the companies generating the highest revenue and ultimately the more profit or full spectrum profit because if if consumers aren't buying from them because they don't agree with how the company creates value then revenues will drop and so the idea is you can actually as a company owner get a sustainable advantage if you start building into your operations and your processes this idea of not thin value but thick value your full spectrum cost of capital, generating returns and profits that take not just financial cost of capital, but also the social cost, the human cost. Are you paying your workers a fair wage? Are the conditions, are you being good stewards to the environment? And and ultimately, that's how we can have a huge impact. Let me pause here to share some words from this week's sponsors. If you've been using Mint to manage your finances, you know they shut down several months ago. Well, let me tell you about the budgeting solution, the financial tracking solution I've been using for the past number of months. It's Monarch Money. Monarch Money is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets like I've done. You can set goals, collaborate with your partner. And now you can get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash David. What I like about Monarch is the ability to customize what I want to see. I have custom budget categories, and then I can go on to the dashboard and see where I'm above trend on some of my spending. I especially like that Monarch will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying Monarch myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash David. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash David for your extended 30-day free trial. 
We have a brand new sponsor to our show. It's Yahoo Finance. Yahoo's been around for decades. My first email outside of work was a Yahoo email address. But the financial side, I've used on occasion primarily to get data for dividend histories for particular funds or ETFs. But I was pleasantly surprised to get back on Yahoo Finance to see how it's evolved over the years. Now it's really a financial dashboard where you can get an understanding of what's going on with the markets. There are relevant articles from Bloomberg, Reuters, the Associated Press, and the Yahoo Finance team. You can look at the economic events calendar and see which data series are being released that day and what the consensus is. You can see the pulse of the markets at any time by going to Yahoo Finance. In addition, you could see all of your investments in retirement accounts in one place. With Yahoo Finance, you get a consolidated view of multiple accounts. Yahoo Finance serves as a financial hub for your retirement accounts, but also comprehensive financial news and analysis. You need to check out Yahoo Finance, particularly if you haven't been there in a while. Check it out at yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. But we still need to go back to Andrew's question. Is there a way to, if, if you really want to, to own, if you don't feel comfortable holding companies that in your investment portfolio that doesn't agree with your investment or your, your ethical standards, how do we do that? How do we implement that? I already showed you how it was very, very difficult to do that for the entire portfolio for our institutional clients. We could hire a separately managed account manager for a portion of it, but then we were forced to do ETFs or index funds or mutual funds for the rest. Individuals, there are ESG managers. Andrew's looking at one for he and his family. And I looked at it briefly. It has an annual expense ratio of 2.5% per year. That is really, really high. And so not only is that the, like, the likelihood of that portfolio outperforming the benchmark or the market is not very great just because the fees are so high. And then we have this whole theoretical standpoint, unless consumers change, the, the, the SIN stocks are going to do better than the non-SIN stocks over time because they'll have a lower valuation. Now, at, at my old firm, we actually looked at, you know, why don't we just create our own index fund or have somebody customize an index fund for our clients? Because what we found is every client had different standards. Some didn't want the weaponry. Some, you know, didn't want abortion. Others didn't, the abortion, some of the moral issues didn't bother them, but they were more worried about environmental issues. And so every client was different. And that's one of the challenges with ESG standards. There's five, in the U.S., there's five ETFs that focus on socially responsible. And, and Andrew has invested in a Vanguard SRI fund, but it owns some of the weaponry companies that he is opposed to. So what can we do about that? Well, I came across a solution that's pretty fascinating. There's a company called Motif Investing, and it's been around a few years. It's an online broker. And what you can do is you can actually buy what they call sleeves or motifs. And what a sleeve is, it's a basket of 30 stocks or 30 exchange traded funds. And so it's one basket, and you, you can customize your basket, 
and then trade it. You, you sort of create it. You create you know your weights of ETFs, which holdings you want, and then you can trade it for nine dollars and ninety five cents. So it's very very inexpensive way to create a basket of securities. And so as I got to thinking about that, and in fact, I talked to the Motif guys, I saw them at FinCon and, and became reacquainted with them. I'd seen them last year. And we got to talking about, you know, is there a way to create a, a index fund that sort of a customized index fund that just meets your ESG standards? One way to do that would be, let's say you're just against sort of some of the energy companies. You could create a motif or a sleeve, a basket out of sector ETFs and exclude the energy sector and then go in and buy individual energy companies that, that perhaps meet your standards. Or, or there's, there's all different types of ways to do that. You could actually combine two different sleeves, but, but effectively, no, it would take some work and they do have some socially responsible motifs or sleeves already on their site. But before motif, I don't, I was not aware of how individuals could create customized investment vehicles that meet their particular social criteria or meet their particular investment criteria. And so motif investing is, is a potential solution. Now, what a, I want to share with you something about Motif, that, an opportunity that, that they presented me. Now, on, on the podcast, I've, we've not had sponsors. And, and one reason we haven't had sponsors is because I really don't want to do ads on the podcast because it would be boring to me to be reading off an ad and most likely boring to you. But some listeners have said, you know, is there a way that we can – Support the podcast without joining the hub, which is the primary way that, that I generate some revenues to support the cost of the podcast, etc. Well, one way you can do that is Motif has an opportunity. If you go to moneyfortherestofus.net, there'll be a link there on the homepage, also on episode 77, where you can get $150 for opening up an account on Motif Investing. And the way this works is if you open account with $2,000 and you create a motif, let's say it's an ESG type motif, you'll get $50 back for one trade. If you do three trades of motifs, you get $75. And after your fifth trade, you do $150. They'll they'll just give it back to you. So, And now again, that's after before trading costs, so they're still going to tr- charge you the commission of nine ninety five. You have to keep it there in forty five days. But if if you decide to join Motif and open an account, I will get a referral fee, and so that's one way you can support the podcast. But you know, even before I talked to Motif about a referral fee, I thought this was a really really cool solution for to create customized passive index funds. Now you could do active funds off also, but it's, it's really kind of fascinating. Now, Motif is an online broker. They don't charge any fees except commissions, the $9.95 to create the Motif, and then they charge $4.95 if you want to make changes within a Motif or trades within it. They clear through Pershing. So they're, they're a broker, and then there's institutional brokers that they clear through called Pershing, which is a very, very large institutional broker. 
happens to be the same institutional broker that we used at my old firm when we had our own broker-dealer. And so it's a creative way of doing it. So, so go ahead. I mean, if you're interested, go to moneyfortherestofus.net. You can see the link there and, and, and get some more information on Motif. So in summary then, to answer Andrew's question, yes, I think it's possible to target ethical companies in an index format for investment and still obtain a reasonable rate of return. In theory, at least currently and historically, the rate of return will be lower than the broad market. It depends on which time period you use, but that's the way the theory is because as there becomes a premium for socially responsible companies, they will sell for higher valuations and will have a lower expected return than companies selling at a lower valuation if consumer behavior doesn't change. I think the biggest impact we can have is, yes, we can own ESG stocks, but we can have an even bigger impact by the decisions the buying decisions that we make as we push companies to to cover not only their financial cost of capital, but their social cost, their human cost, and not be passing on cost or negative externalities to future generations or somebody else in society that has to bear the cost. We've seen it with Volkswagen. Volkswagen cheated. They were passing on a cost to society to the environment to in order that they could have thin value and make higher profits get a higher market share it's cost them their stocks fallen over 40 percent the very existence of the company is at stake their brand could be irreparably harmed i wonder how many companies are doing that but doing it legally and not delivering thick value but simply trying to deliver thin value. We can change that by the decisions we make as consumers. You can get show notes for this episode at moneyfortherestofus.net. That's also where you can sign up for my insider's guide, and I'll email those show notes to you and a summary article on a weekly basis. Just to clarify that, I got an email from somebody this week that couldn't, at least my interpretation of the email, they could not find the insider's guide on the the website or a link to the Insider's Guide. You have to sign up with your name and email in order to get the Insider's Guide. Then you'll get the valuable content, the show notes, summary article, etc. You can get more information on Motif Investing also at moneyfortherestofus.net. And if you want help, more guidance on your asset allocation and your portfolio as you are trying to figure out how much to save for retirement, how, how much can you reasonably expect to earn with a portfolio? Where should you invest? I provide general guidance and education on that at the moneyfortherestofushub.com. I just released the monthly investment conditions report where we looked at you know, what are current valuations by regions for the stock market? What's their economic trends like? What's the market internals by region? And that helps hub members figure out what their allocation will be. And as I mentioned last week, we're working toward putting model portfolios on the hub, hopefully by the end of the month. So information on that, moneyfortherestofushub.com. Everything I've shared with you in this episode has been for general education only. I've not provided any type of investment advice. I've not considered your risk tolerance or profile. So this was general information on the economy, investing, 
markets, and in, and in this case, ethical investing. Have a great week.